Welcome to Indefinable Magic. Reflections based on a lifetime of watching a long-running science fiction show from the BBC. Written and performed by me, Toby Haydock. This week's episode, Seeing in the Dark. Carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. To be fair, it's supposed to be frothy and fun. It's a moment of light shining at the end of a 14-episode tunnel. A glimmer of comedy banter before the unexpected darkness of the cliffhanger that serves to climax the trial of a Time Lord. But what it turns out to be is, well, famous last words. But they're not, though, are they? In the sense that people use the phrase. Although, actually, there's an idea. I'll do one of these about last words on Doctor Who, but let's not digress. Carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. What a loaded epitaph. Colin Baker, the sixth doctor, who seems so plagued with bad luck. Colin Baker, who declared that he wanted to outlast his long-scarfed namesake predecessor, Tom. Colin Baker, who wanted an austere black costume and instead got one that looks like someone had pebble-dashed M&M's madness and concentrated 1980s juice onto Harpo Marx. Colin Baker, who was nixed by timing, else his tenure might have been different and longer and certainly uninterrupted by the swish of Michael Grade's carelessly wafted axe. And to top it all, when he uttered the words carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice, he had no idea that they would be the last words he ever uttered as Doctor Who, as far as its television output was concerned. Although, actually, due to the order of recording... That wasn't the last scene he recorded. That honour goes to one he doesn't have any lines in at all, the one set in an apparently destroyed communicator room on the Hyperion 3, where he, appropriately enough, wields an axe. It's possible, actually, although we're not 100% sure of the timings, that the actual last lines he uttered in character as the Doctor that day were for an introduction to the Roland Rat television show. Oh, the humanity. Actually, whatever the scheduling facts, and for the purposes of this podcast, I don't really care about those, so please don't write in. It seems too fitting, too dramatically ironic, that Colin Baker's last words would end up being so painfully unhistoric. The bathos of their naffness ties in with the tragedy of the way the programme's fortunes rebounded against one of its most game and enthusiastic ambassadors. Poor old Colin Baker with his high hopes and big plans, publicly and messily removed from the part, offered one story in which to regenerate. He understandably turned that down, but agreed instead to see the whole season out, only to have that offer refused. His lasting, valedictory moment cursed then to echo lamely through time. Carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. In the context of the story, carrot juice is an annoyance, a concoction of liquid virtuousness foisted upon him, 
due to its richness in vitamin A, according to Keep Fit Enthusio companion Melanie Bush, she of a suitably verdant moniker to match her love for healthy plants and veg, much to the annoyance of this incarnation of the Doctor, rejecter of nut roast rolls and reluctant exercise biker. His dismissal of carrot juice comes immediately before they trot off to have an adventure where the Doctor's aversion to vegetable life turns out to be very prescient, as the leafy, alarmingly-faced monsters, the Vervoids, turn out to be the bad guys this week. These one-story nemeses succeed in the heroic and hitherto unprecedented feat of contriving to look like both the male and female genitalia at exactly the same time, a terrifying poontang gigglestick hybrid, albeit a vegetation-based one, and therefore more progressive than their relative the carrot, which remains firmly committed to the phallic cause even to this day. Shockingly, they only the season before, our Time Lord hero was advocating a strict vegetarian diet, but now the show demonises our edible friends by not only turning them into murderers, but ones that have been designed by a green-fingered Sigmund Freud. Carrots are mentioned in Doctor Who more often than they are in Shakespeare. There's a carroty joke in The Merry Wives of Windsor, but the vegetable is invoked rather than referred to by name. And some of what we know about them, which we may think is a piece of ancient wisdom, only finds its roots, uh, there's a joke there if you would like there to be one, in World War II, best known from the Doctor Who stories, The Curse of Fenric, The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, and Spyfall Part Two. Actual carrots, as opposed to Doctor Who carrots, have less of an ignominious history. During this podcast, we'll go behind the scenes to find the real vegetable behind its media persona and get to the bottom of what we think we know about the humble carrot. Nutritionally, according to Claire Nielsen, a nutritional expert who is also a fine baker of vegan cakes, the carrot is a delivery service for vitamin A, which is a fat-soluble vitamin that the body is capable of storing, to some degree, in the liver. This makes daily consumption of carrots unnecessary. In fact, excessive consumption of carrots can actually lead to a change in skin pigmentation, though the exact quantities needed to do this differ from person to person. Some people can eat a truckload and remain robustly pink-skinned. Umpalumpas, however, seem to only have to brush past a bowl of coleslaw and, well... Umpa lumpa dumpity doo, they've got oranger skin than you. The first time carrots are mentioned in Doctor Who is in episode two of The Ice Warriors, in a scene now sadly lost, so we can't even see it in the dark. The scene is in the plant museum where renegade scientists drop out Penley and ludicrous Luddite store hang about arguing about whether science is good or not, as if in a sponsored flag up the subtext competition. Store, in fact, and I say this with love, as Angus Lenny, who played him, was an acting legend who contributed to many feats of cinematic World War II heroism, with or without the aid of rude vegetables, is surely one of the silliest people ever to appear in Doctor Who. His one character trait seems to be that he simply hates science. Not science gone wrong, or certain branches of science, or the perception of science, but anything he can possibly trace back to the application of of science. 
one can imagine him at a party, some lady sauntering up to him saying, Ooh, Mr Storr, with your flappy beard and genuine furs, do you want to jump in a taxi and come back to my place for a good time? And him saying, A taxi? A machine created by science? And what do you mean by have a good time? Do you mean a biological process? Do you know biology is a science? How dare ye? Away with ye, you harlot! I'm perfectly happy standing here breaking glasses. Huh? Glass-blowing machines? They're the work of science. They're the work of the devil. So I shall be smashing these vessels on the floor. Hang on! I'm on a floor! What's this made of? It must be made of something made by science. If it's not the actual ground, I want nothing to do with it. Etc. My goodness. I bet he loves carrots. The dirtier, the better. Now, I shall leave it to doughtier podcasters than I to determine whether Angus in his future incarnation of Crossroad chef Shuey McPhee ever tangled with carrots again. Actually, the person who mentions carrots is scientist Penley, played by Peter Salis. History does not record whether this was the first time Salis had mentioned the carrot professionally, but if it was, it certainly wasn't the apex of the Salis carrot oeuvre. As Clegg in Last of the Summer Wine, he partook in an episode Green Fingers which involved a giant plastic carrot employed to undermine a rival vegetable grower. Legume-based hijinks and, inevitably, the giant carrot rolling down a hill ensued. But Salis didn't stop there, taking his mastery of the vegetable to cinematic heights, for the golden carrot is the main reason for the giant vegetable competition in Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, in which Salis voiced the eponymous hero. Said carrot is awarded every year to the person who grows the biggest vegetable and is made of solid 24 carat, haha, gold. Appropriate, then, that an actor who would prove such an exemplar of the carrot in dramatic form should be the first to mention the vegetable by name in Doctor Who. His character, Penley, mentions other vegetables during his museum-based bicker with store, Tomatoes getting top billing in this vitaminathon, with carrots in second place, followed by potatoes and then strawberries. So it's a strong showing for our orange friends there. Whether the tomato, potato, or strawberry outstrips the carrot for mentions in Doctor Who, though, is for a sadder person than me to uncover. I have a life, you know. Uh, Carrots don't have to be juiced nor eaten in their natural state, of course. The increasingly popular carrot cake would certainly have been approved of by the science-adverse Mr Store. Rather than the beloved trademark of middle-class mums in Sunday night dramas or students making their first dizzying steps into the world of bakery, carrot cake was in fact developed as a result of rationing. World War II will perhaps turn out to be the carrot's finest hour, as we shall see, But the recipe used today uses sugar, which then was rationed. So if you want a traditional taste, find a carrot cake recipe without sugar or indeed the optional cream cheese topping. Refined sugar and cream cheese are both, of course, the results of scientific intervention, so would be verboten in the Store family cookbook, which presumably isn't printed on paper. Shockingly, The next time our pendulous orange friends are mentioned in the show is when they turn up to hound the Sixth Doctor out of office in the already mentioned Trial of a Time Lord. 
At least Colin Baker has the satisfaction that he could be reappraised in audio adventures, whilst carrots themselves had to wait until Doctor Who had been resuscitated for some time, popping up, as they do, 23 years later in aquatically-themed base-under-siege tale The Waters of Mars, where the series' anti-carrot propaganda is beginning to look like some sort of policy. The carrot, once again, comes in for some stick. Affable space gardener Andy Stone celebrates the success of his galactic green fingery by producing the universe's first space carrots, which he makes the mistake of washing in evil Mars water, which causes him to become a fleet-footed H2O beast who is patient zero in an outbreak of homicidal moisture zombies who cause the Doctor to overreach himself in fixed-point-in-time meddling, which ends the episode on a cheery pre-Christmas suicide with which to leave the viewers until festivities begin. With the exit of demonstrably anti-carrot showrunner bean Russell T Davis, his successor Stephen Moffat proves to be equally carrot-phobic. No sooner has 11th Doctor Matt Smith made his debut than he rejects any number of foodstuffs as his body gets used to the biological changes coursing through it. And guess what gets the shortest shrift? Yep, our orange friend the carrot. Again. Oh, he spits out yoghurt, reacts violently to bacon, and throws bread and butter out through the front door. But he doesn't even entertain the idea of carrots. Instead, invoking one of the most delightfully unexpected icons of the era, fish fingers and custard, a beguiling combination actually achieved on screen by making pretend fish fingers out of breadcrumbed coconut cake. There didn't need to be any ersatz carrots, however, as they are dismissed so quickly they don't need an on-screen avatar. Anyway, Mr Smith could just have eaten carrots without needing stunt carrots. Carrots are nice. The last time, for now, that carrots get a mention in Doctor Who is inappropriately, seeing as leaving them out as a gift is a traditional part of many people's festive rituals, the Yuletide special Last Christmas. Santa's riposte to Shona that reindeer can't fly is that he feeds his magic carrots. It's a jolly jape, but that is all, as Santa, fortunately, and the whole scenario turns out to be a dream within a dream, and several other dreams, so we can relax and not worry about whether in the Doctor Who universe carrots are magical. That, after all, would be silly. Interestingly, the charming October 1986 one-off Doctor Who magazine comic strip Salad Days, a Lewis Carroll-inspired story of salad eating and chatty veg, also, like last Christmas, brings a dream world to life and has the Doctor's companion, in this case Perry, badger the Doctor about dieting and drinking carrot juice, which her successor in the TARDIS will do on TV a month later, which brings us back to where we began and the trial of a Time Lord. But look, carrots are pretty magical, if you consider, which you should, how all of nature coalesces around us in order to help the flesh engines that propel our silly minds about to function. Whilst they won't help reindeer to fly, nor do they talk or help to turn us into soggy Martian death joggers, they have become more popular in juice form now than they were in 1986 when Colin Baker was on fairly safe ground with the public in his condemnation of this 
less celebrated of the amber nectars. That said, according to nutritionist Claire, carrots are actually a better source of viable beta-carotene after cooking. Beta-carotene has also shown to be more readily absorbed when ingested with a liquid rather than a solid. Claire refutes the doctor's disdain for carrot juice. The idea of hot carrot juice may sound disgusting, says Claire, but call it carrot and coriander soup and suddenly it sounds delicious. And Claire is right. Personally, I'm rather a fan of carrot juice anyway. It tastes invigorating, like it's done you some good. Like a hard book, you kind of enjoy not enjoying it and perhaps feel a little smug upon completion of a task that is more pleasurable to look back on than to actually undergo. So what about the old wives' tale about carrots helping us to see in the dark? True? Or, like Harold Pinter being in The Abominable Snowmen, or the Blue Peter production team spiriting away episode four of The Tenth Planet, a myth that has never quite gone away. Well, the reputation of the night vision carrot was certainly popularised, if not, and no one is quite sure, originated by the British government in, and we have hinted about this, World War Two. The idea of carrots helping us to see in the dark was popularised by propaganda. They helped us see through our darkest hour. The reason we shot down German planes during the blackout, morale-boosting posters informed us, and so them, because they was a-looking, was because we fed our soldiers carrots to help them spot aircraft which came at night. This wasn't as daft as it sounds, We had invented a new radar system, but had the Germans known that, they'd have tried to destroy it. So instead, we just let it be known that we could see better in the dark now, thanks to the Bugs Bunny diet. So bombers, don't go looking for our funky new radar that we definitely haven't invented promise. The science behind the seeing in the dark thing, says Claire Nielsen, is that beta-carotene from the carrots converts to vitamin A, which is what Mel says in The Trial of a Time Lord, because Doctor Who's Numenian quest to educate as well as entertain lived even till then, you know. This vitamin A is also known as retinol. Retinol, and the clue's in the name, and in reality is a key component in helping with eyesight in general. So there is some basis of fact there. However, it doesn't have a specific effect on night vision, but let's not mention that during the war. So yes, whilst not exclusively, carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice can help you to see in the dark, which is certainly something that it has in common with Doctor Who. Thank you for listening to Seeing in the Dark, this week's edition of Indefinable Magic, which was written and performed by me, Toby Haydock.
The music was by Dominic Glynn. For further information about carrots, there is a carrot museum online. Visit www.carrotmuseum.co.uk. They also have a Twitter feed, at Carrot Museum. This week's episode was only possible thanks to Colin Young, Leon Nesbitt-Hancock and Luke Wright. Extra special thanks to Claire Nielsen. If you enjoy and would like to support these podcasts, you can do so on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. It has different tiers and can unlock bonus or early material, but generally it's a pay-what-you-can-slash-want model. If you don't want to do the monthly commitment thing, you can just buy me a one-off coffee whenever you like at Kofi, which is Kofi, K-O-F-I, Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. And please plug and rate them wherever you can. It just helps. Otherwise, I wouldn't have to record these awful pleading things at the end that everyone, including me, hates. Anyway, that's enough of that. I hope I've made your day a little better or more interesting than it was half an hour ago. Until next time I attempt to do that, stay safe and well and happy times and places to you and yours. Goodbye. <laughs>